I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me today in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and we will begin in verse 1. Let's open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your Word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the Scriptures. We ask that you would give us light in the eyes of our understanding. Thank you, Father. Help us to take your Word and apply it to our lives today. Thank you for the anointing and help of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say amen. Verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come, that He should depart from this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself, and then begins the beautiful foot-washing ceremony. Verse 10, Jesus speaks to Peter. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Verse 18, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am He. Verse 21, When Jesus had said these things, He was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, this is very interesting that this betrayal of one of His close twelve, one of His own apostles, this was very difficult for the Lord to deal with. It troubled His spirit. And there's something about that expression that you need to understand. Your, your body can be troubled by something. Maybe you got stung by a bee, and now you have discomfort, and that can be distracting, but you can get through it. Maybe there's um, certain thoughts in your mind, uh, things that maybe could trouble you mentally. Uh, you know, you've got a big event the next day, and you're still trying to get it organized, and you, you have some trouble, like, how we're going to get all this worked out. So we understand those things. But when something troubles your spirit, you really need to take heed to that, and don't try to override it and think, well, it, it's just going to be okay. When it's troubling your spirit, usually it's not going to be okay. Don't pretend things are going to work out well when in your spirit you know it's not going to. Mm-mm. When your spirit is troubled, I would encourage you to pray about it, stay in prayer concerning it, but also at the same time, brace yourself and get ready for it. Because usually when your spirit is troubled, it doesn't mean that God is going to intervene and stop it. It's, it's usually more of something it's troubling because you're just going to have to go through it. Praise the Lord. And there are 
people in the church, sometimes they unknowingly think, well, Pastor Stephen, I'm just going to have faith, and I'm going to stay in faith that everything's going to work out well. You can't make those faith principles work in this context. That's like trying to take the rules of basketball, and you're going to jump over now to a different sport of baseball, but yet you're going to try to apply the same rules to a a different sport. You're taking something out of context, and when your spirit is troubled, uh, there's trouble ahead, and you need to be ready for that. Praise the Lord. Here's a good example. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 27. This is a great example. Now, by the way, when something troubles your spirit, this is not an everyday event. This is not like this happens maybe even once a week or once every five months. This may be rare, maybe uh, just a a couple times within maybe a five-year period. But when it does happen, please don't try to override it and ignore it and hope it's going to go away, because usually it doesn't turn out very good. Acts chapter 27, verse 9. Now when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> wow. What's a, what's a disaster? Loss. Loss of your, your ship, loss of you, you know the product that would make you money, your ability to profit, all that's going down to the bottom of the Mediterranean, and let's top it all off, you're going to lose your life also. Well, they overrode the Apostle Paul and said, oh no, it's going to be okay, Paul. And there's probably people in the church that do the same thing. They override their spirit. Uh, or Like Paul had this perception. It's an inner perception. I perceive something's really wrong about this trip. Oh, we're going to be okay. That's what some do even in the church. We're going to be okay. And you need somebody like Paul saying, no, it's not going to be okay. And if we're hidden out, because he can't help it. He's, uh, he's like a prisoner and he's not the captain of the ship. And, you know, he doesn't have authority to override anything that's going on here. So probably all he can do is say, well, I hope all of you sailors have life insurance because uh, it's going to be cashed out by your spouse. And I hope you said goodbye to your wife because you're never going to see them again. We're all going to die. Wow. I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. And off they went. Oh, everything's going to be all right, Paul. But see, they're not spiritual. They, They cannot discern in their spirit these types of things. And sure enough, it turned uh, from the sailors into the ride of their lives, and they were all on the verge of death. But thank God Paul prayed, and in this situation, there was divine intervention. And Paul said in verse 22, And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. See, even with those prayers, because they had overridden something, a great inner warning, there was a means of deliverance but there wasn't a full deliverance. So the ship was lost, and I'm sure the owner of the ship wasn't happy about that. And all of the cargo, all of that money, so so to speak, because that's what, you know, you could turn around and sell that cargo, all lost, completely uh, going to the bottom of the ocean. But Paul said, for there stood by me this night 
an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Praise the Lord. So there was the deliverance of their lives. Back to our story. Jesus was troubled in spirit. So if you ever are troubled in spirit, then just prepare yourself and God will be with you. Many of these things, you have to walk through them. Sometimes there can be a deliverance, but uh, just be strong. Be strong when those things happen. And he was troubled because of what's going on with the betrayer. He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Wow. Somebody is going to betray the Lord. Then, verse 22, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed (laughs) about whom he spoke. Perplexed. Now, this word perplexed in the Greek is the word aporeo, and it means to be without a way, to be at a loss. Wow, they're totally, completely perplexed when Jesus dropped this truth bomb on them. Mm-mm. Wow, they're perplexed. Today, I want to talk about how to solve perplexing situations in your life, not somebody else's life, your life, and how to get an answer through something that could have left you completely perplexed. Maybe it was something that even came from the Lord, and you're like, what was that all about? You know, I, I, Lord, I don't understand that. What did you mean through that? What was that experience about? So the Lord can give us insight into this. So sometimes we have situations where we can be perplexed and left at a complete loss of which direction to go in, and we're wondering what to do about this. We have some insight from the other gospel writers who also recorded this uh, situation there at the Passover. And let's go to the Gospel of Luke just for a moment. And we're going to be in verse 22, and we're going to drop down to verse 23. Well, let's start with verse 22. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Now, the Lord had told them that his betrayer was at the table, but they don't know who it is. Verse 23, then they begin to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. But realize that the betrayer, now you know who it is because uh, we know the story quite well, but notice the betrayer is not just jumping up and saying, you know what, I can't stand the stress and the pressure. I can't stand what I've been doing, plotting behind the scenes. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to unveil myself to you right now. It's me. (laughs) He's not going to do that. It's still a secret to uh, the the 11. One knows, of course, and Jesus knows. But the other 11, they really don't know who it is. And this is a very tense moment that has left 11 men completely perplexed, without an answer, without a guess. I mean, even if they're trying to guess, they don't know. They're asking each other, is it you or, you know, who's doing this? And uh, so a lot of high drama there at the table. 
it's going to get even uh, more intense because they're going to move to a place where they're going to ask the Lord, Lord, is it me? And we see that recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And let's go there now. Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly. Now, the word assuredly in the Greek means without doubt. So, this is something that is absolutely, positively going to take place. Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Wow. Mm -mm. Lord, is it I? But here's the problem. When all 12 are doing that, (laughs) you know, uh, it's a pretty good cover. It's still a pretty good cover. So 11 11 of them are still sitting there uh, clueless as to who this betrayer is. Okay, back to our primary text. Here in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, we're going to begin now to dig a little bit deeper. What to do when you're perplexed and you don't know the answer, but it would be of extreme importance for you to have the answer. Praise the Lord. I would say that we first should paraphrase this search for truth and for answers by understanding that the Lord is very generous in giving wisdom, knowledge, and answers to those things that pertain to your life. I would even say secrets, supernatural insight into things that pertain to your life. But as you move out further towards you know, relatives and friends, he can give insight. But there are some things, just like there's some things between you and the Lord, that are secret. And when it gets into the areas of secrets, God doesn't always reveal some things that we would like to know. And we see that in the Bible. Deuteronomy, let's go to chapter 29. Deuteronomy 29. And it would also be verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So there are secret things, though, that God keeps, and it's between God and maybe that person and just them, and it's not for public consumption. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. I think it's fascinating that Prophet Kenneth Hagin, who's now in heaven, but many years back, he had a close relative die. And this was a relative that was a Christian, that was Pentecostal, and knew the healing power of God, but the person got sick and they died young. Well, Kenneth Hagin had a vision, and in this vision he saw Jesus, and Jesus shared some things with him about ministry and so forth, and Brother Hagin brought up the subject uh, about this relative and basically said, Lord, why did she die? And you know what the Lord told Brother Hagin? He said, that's none of your business. That's strictly between her and I, and it's not for you to know. And then the Lord also mentioned to Brother Hagin, uh, 
Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, how there are secrets that he keeps. And those secrets are not for everybody to know. And he actually told Brother Hagin, don't even let that thought come into your mind. Don't think upon anything like that pertaining to why did she die? You just go ahead and preach divine healing. Go ahead and minister the word because there's plenty that are, are going to receive the word and that are going to be healed. I have prayed for people before that did not receive their healing. I remember one particular lady I prayed for uh, several times and uh, on paper she had everything down just right. She was in the word day and night. Uh, she could, you know, praise the Lord and worship the Lord and say hallelujah and quote verses. And, and she was doing that. She was quoting verses, even quoting healing verses. I'm standing on the word, you know, and would give healing verses that she's believing and standing on. But I sensed in my spirit, something was not connecting. She was sick. She had cancer, uh, brain cancer, and it was very serious. And, uh, I was sensing that the anointing is not connecting. Not only the anointing uh, that flows, a healing anointing when you pray for a person, but also the anointing that's on the Word. I was just sensing that something is not connecting. And I went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, uh, what's wrong here? Why is the anointing not connecting with her life so that she can see a manifestation of healing? And the Lord didn't answer me immediately, but I continued to minister to her. Her and her husband were both very appreciative for my ministry because it was one-on-one -on -one ministry. But she died. But you know what? Before she died, I really tried to dig a little bit when I had my one-on-one -on -one times with her. And I said, now, have you forgiven everyone that has wronged you? Oh, yes, Pastor Stephen. I said, well, now have you really searched your heart in this area? And if there's any offense or anybody has done something that's wounded you or hurt you, have you before the Lord forgiven them? Oh yes, Pastor Stephen, yes. And so I knew I couldn't really go any farther because you, you can't say, well, you're lying, you know, but I sense something's blocking the anointing. And guess what? Usually it is. It's unforgiveness. That's, that's the number one thing that hinders people from receiving a healing or a blessing from the Lord, it's unforgiveness. And just before she died, her husband came to me in private and he said, he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, I'm concerned about my wife. I can tell that she's not being healed because uh, it's something, she, it, there's a disconnect. And he said, I am so concerned in my heart because I did something that broke my wife's heart a few years back and she has never forgiven me for that. And he told me what it was. He told me what it was. And I, I could see how that could be for a, a spouse, extremely difficult to get over. Um, but the marriage continued, but in her heart, he said, she, she hasn't forgiven me in this area. I said, well, I hope she does quick because time's running out. And uh, she went to be with the Lord. She died. She wasn't that old. She should have had decades more to have lived out her life. But sometimes the Lord will give you some insight. Sometimes He won't. Uh, it just depends. There are secrets. I've had other, other things in my life that were actually taking place where I've had supernatural things happen in my life, and I wanted to maybe tell somebody about it or even bring them to see it while it was manifesting. And the Lord said, no, it's just for you. <laughs> I was like, wow. So I just stopped. I just stopped.
Mm -mm. These are things we need to understand when you're looking for answers to perplexing situations, perplexing statements, or maybe even life experiences. Now, when it comes to your life, the Lord is much more open about sharing secrets between you and Him. He'll, he'll go real deep with you. I mean, He'll go to the ocean floor of your heart. But um, it could be, it could be still that there is something that avails for a purpose, for a reason, maybe for a season. But uh, there'll come a time when all things will be known that need to be known. Praise God. All right, now let's go back to our main story here in the Gospel of, of John. I'm also thinking right now about Rebecca, because Rebecca was barren, and she could not conceive a child. But what took place with her is that she, went, she did get pregnant from her husband, and she went before the Lord. I think we should just turn to it just for a moment. After all, we do have time. Let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25, and this would be in verse 21. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So everything's good. Everything's going along just fine. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? She was perplexed. She's like, Lord, everything is healthy in my body. Uh, I'm, I'm eating, uh, and uh, you know everything's going along just fine with this pregnancy I have. But Lord, there's a uh, there's something going on on the inside that's not normal. I've talked to other ladies about it uh, who've been through the process, and uh, they said, oh no, we, did, we didn't have anything like that. So Lord, what in the world is going on on the inside of me? And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? In other words, she's perplexed. And you'll see many people in the Bible, characters of the Bible, as they're on their spiritual journey, there was something that completely stumped them and left them perplexed, and they didn't have the answer. But somebody does. Somebody's always got the answer, and he's able to solve even the most perplexing questions, dreams, experiences, whatever it might be, the Lord can unveil it to you. So she went to inquire of the Lord. And if you'll do that, we're going to talk about how to do that in just a moment. Your perplexities will melt away. And usually with something like this, there's not a lot. Maybe there's just one thing that has puzzled you. Just like the apostles, they were perplexed. The scripture says they were perplexed, didn't know how to respond to a statement like that. Well, uh, concerning Rebecca, the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Well, it's not like a lot of mothers ever have the experience of having the formation of two children that are going to bring forth nations. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it's a different situation. That was a very perplexing uh, situation. And you can't go to just any other woman, any other mother to get an answer to something like that, because they don't know what you're going through. They understand the pregnancy experience, but not, not what she's going through. That was quite different. So the Lord 
was able to give her the answer that she needed. And the Lord's got an answer for you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's continue on in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Verse 22, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, that would be John, the very author. Later, he would write the book of John. And then when he was much older, referring to himself as the elder, we have the three epistles or letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then uh, when he was very, very old, he wrote the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ the last book in the Bible. Quite a whopper of a book. Incredible. So, this is very, very interesting. He will become known as, of course, one of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, but his distinctive anointing was that of an apostle of love. That was his message. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the uh, disciple whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him. Now, anytime you see the listing of the twelve names of the apostles, Simon Peter is always first. He is the preeminent apostle. After him, you'll always see uh, James next. Peter, James, John. But John is going to outlive all of the original twelve. He's going to outlive them all. He's going to have a very long life. Should the Lord tarry, may you also have that same grace of longevity. May the Lord give you a long life to serve Him and to labor for Him so that you have a beautiful reward on the other side when you reach home base, when you reach heaven. Praise God. Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, that he's motioning to John, to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Now notice he's motioning to John. Peter, you know, doesn't push the food back, and he's not loud and boisterous. Sometimes he would be, but here he's not. Uh, he, he motions. He doesn't even really say it. He's like, you know, he's like pointing to John. You know, you're like, ask him. <laughs> I, I, I've got to know. We all want to know, but Peter's like, I, I can't. I can't leave this table without knowing. So he's like, you know, now he's conveying also something to us that reveals that John, yes, had a special relationship that even out of the 70, you know, he sent the 70 out two by two, 70 disciples, but you only had 12 apostles. And even out of these people, even out of the 12, you had a very uh, close inner circle, Peter, James, John. But there was something about John, although he's ranked third behind Peter and James, the apostolic anointing may have not been as strong as it was upon Peter 
and James. Oh, yes, he's still an apostle. But that anointing for that deeper life, that, that deep walk with God, was very, very highly developed in John. And Peter knew that. He knew that, that John in that area was unique. Now, uh, you want the miracles, the power, the signs and wonders? Yeah, Peter's your guy for that. You want a tremendous apostolic administrative anointing? Oh yes, John, excuse me, James is your guy for that. But in the area of the love walk and the deeper spiritual walk with God, that would certainly uh, be the experience with John, and the others knew that. That's why Peter is like, you know, John, you know, he's not saying it, he's motioning it. John, you're getting to tell you, getting to tell you, because you're, you are very, very close to him in this area, and it's kind of uncomfortable for us, especially here in this setting. So, you know, find out what's really going on. Praise God. May you come into this closeness with the Lord. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Mm -mm. Woo, thank you, Jesus. I really do believe that if you will position yourself to lean back on the Lord's chest, I believe He'll answer to you the most perplexing question you may have uh, at the dinner table. It's, here's the question, Lord, who's going to betray you? Who is it? <laughs> you could have different seasons in your life with perhaps a different perplexing question, but this is the hot potato that won't go away, and it's what everybody wants to know here in this particular hour. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, not loudly, not loudly. He, he's, remember the context. You, you pick up the fuller context when you read the book of John, which was written by John himself. And so the, Jesus didn't like publicly announce this. Well, I'm going to show you all right now who it is. John, you know, that's a good question that you brought up. I think you're probably all wondering who it is. Let me just tell you right now. No, he didn't do that. He whispers to John uh, he's going to, uh, of how he's going to unveil the traitor. And then John is able to, of course, later share that with Peter and share that with the others. Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to, okay, you got 12 guys in the room, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Wow, that's the, that's the guy. That's the answer to this perplexing thing that caused such a soul search that they're all looking within themselves saying, is it, they're even asking the Lord, is it me? They're asking each other, is it you? Is it y'all? It's not me. It's not me. They're asking the Lord, is it, is it me? Here's the answer given to John, the one that's able to lean on the Lord's chest. It's this guy right here. Wow. Praise the Lord. Inside information. Woo. Wow. You're going to come into a walk with God where you're receiving inside information. Yes. 
Pastor Stephen, I want inside information about Brother, about Brother Charles, what he's really done. No, 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 God's not going to tell you about his life unless God chooses to do that. You, you have enough questions in your own file of your personal library that you need to be responded. You don't need to be nosy and be over there in somebody else's business. The Bible has a lot to say about that, particularly through the Apostle Paul. We see one example of that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, obviously Paul, uh, you know, must have thought that, that the church in Thessalonica didn't get it because he brings it back up again in the book or the letter of 2 Thessalonians. He also uh, talks to Timothy about this very same subject. But just to cover it briefly, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Boy, this thing of minding your own business. You ever met some of the Christians? They always wanted to get it in everybody's business and then spread it around with gossip and rumors and all of this goofy stuff. It's wrong. It's sinful. It may not be viewed as one of those ugly, yucky sins, but I tell you what, in the eyes of God, it is. So don't be involved in things like that. Praise the Lord. Now we're back again to John chapter 13, verse 26. Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread, one I have dipped it. And having dipped the, the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. Mm -mm. Very, very interesting very interesting. Verse 30, having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. You see the prophetic symbolism being used there. It's a dark night. It's a dark night. Absolutely. A lot going on with darkness there. Evil. But my friends, the Lord had answered the question that had perplexed the other 11. And I believe he's got answers for you also that are very, very important for you to know. Praise the Lord. Now, here's some things that the Lord shared with me concerning this study. If you'll lean on the Lord's chest, He will talk to you. Understand that this leaning denotes genuine nearness. Uh, this is very, very up close and personal. So to be able to do that, it's unveiling to us a genuine nearness. Not, not something that, you know, is done through, uh, how can we say, like infrequent visits. You can't get it that way. Just showing up every now and then. If you're inconsistent like that, you cannot go into a place like that comfortably. You, you can't. You're, you wouldn't feel comfortable there. It has to be real. If it's not real, you can't get up that close. Mm -mm. Nearness is attained. Are you ready for this? Here's, here's, I'm going to give you a key 
that many mature believers, if, if you'll take this key, this will take you to a new level in your walk with God. Nearness is attained through consistency. I want to say it again. Nearness to the Lord is attained through consistency. What I mean by that is that for some of you mature believers, you can string together a pretty good walk with the Lord, maybe for a few weeks. Maybe you'll throw some fasting in. You're, you're to be commended for that. And you're, you can pull together those moments where, uh, yes, you're very familiar with the presence of the Lord. You can pull together those, those times where, yeah, you and God, you've got it going on. But if you want to go to the higher level, like John, where you can lean on the Lord and He's giving you detailed secrets, He's giving you the, the rich stuff, then you're going to have to maintain that walk consistently. You can't pull it together for 10 days and then you disappear for seven. You can't pull it together for a month and then you're gone for three weeks. You just, you fade out. Think about it from the natural perspective. If you go to the gym and you work out really well for two months and you're, you're seeing results and others around you are like, Hey, wow, man, I'll tell you what, it's working for you. And you're like, yes, it is. This, 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 this is it. And you do it for two months and you, 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 you can feel the momentum, but something happens as life often does. It throws things at you that maybe disrupt your cycle or would try to disrupt your cycle. And for whatever reason, you, you're out now for three weeks. Then you come back in. Now you're back for a month, but then, you know, something throws you, throws you for a loop. Now you're out 17 days and you're back and then you're out and you're back and you're out. So, you know, you, you know, more than most do because you, you can get in there if you really need to. But if, if you will maintain it, you'll move to a level where you finally see the results you want. If you're in a gym and you're inconsistent with your training, no matter how hard you work out, if you're not consistent, you're not going to get the results you want. And it's the same way in your walk with the Lord. It's more than just, Hey, I did it. I did a 10 day fast. That's great. But eventually, no matter how long you fast, you're going to have to start eating again. And when you merge back into uh, you know, that, that walk with the Lord, don't, don't drop your prayer time. Uh, don't neglect your devotional time. Yes, but I did a fast. That's great. And that will uh, give you a propellant that will take you into some wonderful experiences with the Lord. But eventually uh, you're, you're going to have to come down off of the mountain. You can have a mountaintop experience, but no matter how glory, glorious it was, eventually you're going to have to come down off that mountain. You're going to have to get back into what we would call maybe like a daily flow. And your daily flow has to be close to the Lord. You have to be consistent with your prayer time. And if you will stay consistent day in, day out, just, just like John did, then you get comfortable in that nearness of leaning on the Lord's chest. And that's when even others will say, 
hey, you can get the answer for me. I, I, I wish I could get into that realm of glory, but I can't. But you can. Can you, can you help me? There have been times when I've been privileged to help people because they were like, sometimes people just say, Stephen, you can go up. You, you have that grace, that gift, that walk. Would you please find this out for me? I, 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 I'm perplexed and I, I, I need to know. And there are times when God will allow me to go on behalf of somebody else. I learned that years back when I was in Jerusalem, Israel, and I was uh, in a meeting with Apostle Neville Johnson. And Neville was a person that uh, he knew how to push the buttons on the spiritual elevator. He could get into the elevator and he'd go straight to the top. And I'm not talking about a natural building. He, he had a walk with the Lord where he could go up. And there was a family, uh, a very godly family from India. Their father, uh, the children had come, also the, 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 the wife, her husband, of course, was that man of God who had just passed away. But uh, the wife and uh, the sons, the daughters, they all came to Jerusalem because the great man of God over in India had just passed away. They came to Jerusalem. And guess who they wanted to talk to? They wanted to talk to Neville. They had a perplexing question. What was the question? Their father, a great man of God, he was actually known as the prophet of the East. Uh, we have prophets in America and this part of the, of the world, but on that side of the world, he was known as the prophet of the East, and uh, he was a, a wonderful man of God. But this prophet during his life, he would have these visions, these experiences where he would be caught up into the heavenly realms, and he would uh, be seated at these heavenly councils, and it would have people there like uh, Abraham and King David and others. They, they were be counselors and advisors, and they would be involved in uh, working with God's plan, God's agenda. And so this great prophet would be uh, caught up and taken into those meetings, would be allowed to listen and sit in on the meetings. And he had always wanted, all of his life, to be worthy of one day one day when his life would be concluded, of being included in that heavenly council. Well, uh, well, his family uh, came after the funeral, and they wanted to meet with Neville. I know because they came to the hotel we were staying in, uh, seeking Neville. Neville, can you find out if our father was added to the heavenly council? You have to understand, it's not like there's a lot of people on this council. There's, there's a number and uh, it's, it's those that had a very, very close walk with God while they were on the earth. <laughs> so uh, they go to Neville, and they go to his room, and uh, they said, Neville, can you find out? And he said, well, let me see what the Lord would uh, reveal. And uh, uh, he's able to go up in the Spirit, and he's able to find out. And yes, yes, Neville returned saying, yes, your father is now officially on that heavenly council. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And they were so thrilled. They were so blessed. And of course, he saw some other stuff while he was there that he was allowed to convey to them concerning uh, their father. What a blessing. What a blessing to be able to get inside information. I'm telling you that if you will position yourself like John did, you could not only get answers for yourself, but in some situations, yes, you can attain you can obtain answers for others. Mm, mm, mm. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah.
I think about the old Pentecostal preacher named Bevington. Uh, he was an old country preacher. Uh, he wasn't polished, uh, and he wasn't wealthy, but he was a holy man of God. And whenever the holiness denomination that he belonged to, whenever they had a perplexing situation, something they couldn't solve, a dilemma within their assembly, guess who they called on? Brother Bevington. Uh, and what would they ask him to do? They'd ask him to get the answer. How would he get the answer? Well, one time, one time he had a, a situation that nobody could figure out. The pastor couldn't figure it out. The elders, no, uh, nobody in the church could figure it out. Nobody could explain a tragedy that happened within the church. There was no answer for it. The only person that knew was God. And Bevington went out into the country, went out into the woods, and he crawled into a tree that had fallen down, it had been fallen for so long, it had hollowed out and rotted out in the middle. He crawled into the tree and laid there for 10 days to get quiet before the Lord to get the answer to that perplexing situation. But would you believe after 10 days, God spoke to him and showed him in a vision exactly what happened, how it happened who the guilty party was, where it happened, who was involved, and what the solution could be. And he gave all of that information to that godly prophet while he laid in the hollowed out tree there in the deep forest. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now let me say this. Your consistency. And I'm, when I say consistent, I'm talking about a daily walk. It's going to come down to that. Is it easy? Oh, no. You, you'll have, just like trying to go to the gym is not easy. Those that make good progress in those areas know that if you're not there, if you're not consistent, you're, it's just not going to work for you. Not the way you want it to. You could probably maintain your, you know, uh, you know, stay in shape, but you're not going to really make the gains that you want to see if you're not consistent. But here's the thing. Consistency produces Pastor Stephen, uh, consistency produces intimacy with God. I don't want to use that word, intimacy. Yes, it's a beautiful word, but it has become a cliche in the church that people just throw it around. It's a sacred word, but they throw it around like it's just a, you know, a, a box of French fries from McDonald's. Uh, oh, I've been having intimacy with God, you know, and they just throw it around like, you know, it's hardly has any value to it. I don't want to use that word because too many people use it when they have no clue of what it really is. And trust me, when there are genuine moves of the Spirit and God is really uh, working, uh, all of the stuff of what's genuine and what's fake, uh, it gets sorted out real qu quick. Trust me, I've been in move in meetings where the glory is extremely powerful and the fear of the Lord is so strong, it's dangerous to do something stupid and act like you're somebody that's all this when you're not. You can get humiliated real quick in front of everybody if you, if you pull that baloney in the wrong atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I saw it happen one time in a, in a church service where there is this woman that always had a prophecy. And uh, she had to go up and give her prophetic word before the congregation. And the pastor let her do it. And every time she did it, 
it was no more anointed by the Holy Spirit than if a monkey had run up there and given a so-called prophecy. There was no anointing on it. It did not initiate from the Holy Spirit. It came out of her soulish mind. But oh, she is the house prophet. She has to give the prophecy, and up she goes. And she did that for some time, and it just... I, you know, me and my wife, we would just look at each other and, and think, well, there she goes again. We'll just kind of grin and bear it, let her get it out of her system. And uh, she, she did that for some time. And, you know, those of us that did have a walk with God, we just kind of tolerated it. Well, I mean, what can you do? It's not my church. It's not our church. Uh, pastor's letting her do it. You know, she's going to do it. And I'll tell you this. There are some in the church, they want that mic. There are some ministers, they, they would die if you took the microwave, microphone away from them. They have to be seen before the people. They have to prophesy about everything under the sun. It's a lot of immaturity, a lot of immaturity. And you can get away with that uh, in, in atmospheres where there's not heavy glory. But the moment God ever comes into the building, you better watch out. Mm -mm. Because if you move on your own, you're going to get into this place where you're offering strange fire before the Lord. In other words, it's not what God called for. <laughs> so, so God came into the building one day, and uh, the first thing the Holy Spirit did is uh, shut down the worship leader. Uh, and uh, basically bypass the worship leader, because the worship leader was playing songs that uh, were not in harmony with what the Holy Spirit wanted to be sung. And so I won't go into detail how God shut him down, but he got, he got bypassed like, uh, uh, woo, uh, humiliated, really. Uh, God, a godly humiliation because of that man's arrogance and stubborn pride. He was humiliated through a prophecy before all of the people. And then, of course, he repents. Now, if he would have repented before, it never would have happened. But that's the danger of walking into a radioactive, it's like being around the nuclear reactor, walking into a place where the glory is really manifested. Very, very dangerous to be in the flesh and to be full of pride. It's very, very dangerous because uh, the Lord, he'll, he'll put things straight real quick when he comes to, into his house. Well, he came into the house one morning and anybody that had any spiritual sense knew it. And, uh, oh, here comes the prophetess again. Up the steps she goes to the podium. The, up she goes to the top of the platform to give another, thus saith the Lord, prophecy. And we watched her, and we just thought, oh, brother. And here she goes, up, up, up. She got to the top step right where the platform was at. She got to the top step, and the Holy Spirit, boom, hit her over the head. Pastor Stephen, is that the correct terminology? I don't know what else to call it. I, I wouldn't say that he fell on her like a dove. No, it wasn't. It was, no, it, it wasn't like something sweet and peaceful. The Holy Spirit was like, and it just like touched her. I don't know if an angel did it or the Holy Spirit did it, but she got struck by God, and you could see terror hit her. And she fell backwards and landed on her rear end and slid backwards all the way down the steps, all the way to the bottom of the steps. And nobody, 4,000 people present, nobody ran up to help her. Nobody ran up and said, oh, we feel so sorry for you. She laid there, humiliated in her arrogance and pride and in her foolishness for 
endeavoring to speak on behalf of God, when God never said, Thus saith the Lord. Produce, uh, consistency produces, I would call it nearness, a genuine nearness, not this fake stuff, somebody acting like they're the next Elijah when they're not. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Consistency produces nearness, which results, are you ready for this? In a much more rewarding exchange in your conversations with the Lord. Wow. Mm. These conversations dissolve any perplexing situation that you may be facing or perplexing question that you may have. I would encourage you to not just lean on the Lord. We have a lot of people. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of people. We do have some that are good at that, but the missing link is they're not consistent with it. They'll have a mountaintop experience. Oh, I leaned on the chest of the Lord, and the Lord said this to me. And then they, then that, that anointing lifts of nearness, and then they go back into the busyness of life, and their prayer life goes swoop. They lose their prayer life, and they, lose, they, they get so caught up in life, they lose their devotional life. And then, you know, and they have gotten out of that place of nearness. So to be like John, the apostle of love, you have to walk that. You have to live that. Because that's a, that, that's a nearness that's so close that if you're not consistent, you just can't walk in there and lean your, your, your head on his chest. No, you have to be really consistently close with him. And the only way that you can get that, that element of nearness is to be close on a continual, I would even say daily basis. Let me close by saying this. To come into this, you'll have to fight for it with everything you have. And you're not fighting with a sword or with a gun. You're not fighting with a shield or bow and arrow. You're not fighting. You're 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 just fighting inwardly by endeavoring to structure and your or, and order your life around your time with the Lord. Whenever that is, whenever you meet with the Lord, uh, because you'll have everything under the sun. Try to disrupt it, and so it's an incredible fight, and so you have to really press with everything you have. But I tell you what, when you do come in and you get consistent, I think a lot of the times the rewards are so phenomenal, such as hearing the voice of God, getting answers to, uh, you know, perplexing things, not just for yourself and others that you just think, you know what, I'm willing to accept this price tag. Woo! Glory to God. I believe in the last days that we're living in, as much as we love the Pauline epistles, the, the Word of God written under inspiration by the Apostle Paul, we'll always draw from it and we'll, we'll use it consistently. But I believe also we're going to start to pull a lot from the writings of John, particularly 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the letters back towards the back of the Bible, and also, of course, the grand finale, the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ written by John himself, because uh, these are towards the end, and as we are at the end of time, these writings are going to begin to mean more and more to us. They're going to speak so directly to us. And so in order to come into this anointing, also would speak of a John type anointing of walking very close with the Lord. 
Praise God. John's assignment was for the end times, that message for the end times. He outlived all of the other 12, excuse me, the other 11, even uh, the replacement, of course, of Judas. But my friends, this is something that the Lord wants us to understand that we can step into and we can enjoy. Woo! Hallelujah. I, th- I do think there is something where when you have answers and you're satisfied, then you could also get them for others. Remember when Jesus was talking with Peter, even talking with Peter about the death that he's going to eventually have and how that death will glorify God. And here's Peter having the privilege of seeing the resurrected Christ talk to him and share intimate details about his life. And right in the middle of that, Peter, uh, he he sees John uh, over there and he says, Oh Lord, uh, what about him? And Jesus basically said to Peter, that's, that's none of your business. In other words, Jesus is like, hey, you know, Peter, I'm here talking to you one-on-one about your life, about intimate things I want to share with your life to remove any perplexing questions you may have. And you don't need to be worried about John. Praise the Lord. So when your questions are answered, and there's deep peace and a strong walk with the Lord established in your life, then you can, uh, you can go to the Lord on behalf of others, and you can get some interesting Ooh, information. Wow. Uh, Let me see if I can guise this a little bit. There is a prophet, and uh, he lives in Paris. He prays all day long, usually most of the night. That's all he does is he prays. He prays for certain church leaders. I won't say who they are, but that is his assignment from the Lord. And a Catholic priest knows him. And he said, Stephen, he said, next time uh, we go, he said, uh, I'll take you and Kelly uh, to his, uh, his residence so that we can all have some fellowship and prayer time together. But he said, this man, uh, when you come into his room, in, into his home, it's a very small home, and into his room, you know, um, he, he can get, he's one of those guys that can also pull the answers. He can get the answers. Of course, I like people like that, <laughs> right? <laughs> now, if you're living in sin, you don't want to be around people like that because uh, you're, you're, you're going to become a glass house. And it doesn't mean that God's going to try to embarrass you or something like that. Uh, but if you were to be arrogant and prideful, uh, don't challenge God. Don't challenge God because uh, when the when the anointing comes and God's presence and power comes, you would regret it. But uh, my priest friend said, he said, last time I was at his place, when I walked in, uh, he was in prayer. He was on his knees praying. He was praying so hard and interceding so hard that when he got up out of prayer, he had the crown of thorns stigmata going around his head. You, you could see the like the crown of thorns had been pressed in. You could see the, the marks. And he, he said he's such a man of prayer. And well, I can't say too much, but my priest friend brought somebody that had a perplexing question. This lady who had the perplexing question, she couldn't get the answer from God. And uh, she just, she did not have the spiritual depth to be able to 
as we would say, lean on the Lord's chest and get the answer. It's kind of like Peter, you know, John, get it from him. <laughs> you, need a, you need a John in your life. Uh, well, Pastor Stephen, yes, I'd, I, I'd like to have a John in my life. How about this? How about you become a John? Praise the Lord. That, that's the gold standard. Now, uh, my, my priest friend brought this woman because she wanted the answer. And he, he knew, hey, this guy can get it. And she presents the question to him. And she said, yes, it's, this is true. Uh, uh, sometimes, now remember, Jesus was troubled in spirit. He, this was something that was going to happen. He was going to be betrayed. I mean, it's prophesied in Scripture. So the, this cannot be like overwritten somehow, like some things could. So this lady, she had been troubled in spirit. Is this thing true? That I hope it's not true, but I, I unfortunately, I think it is. He said, yes. He said, it is true. And this is what's going on. And began to uh, unveil uh, what had perplexed her. But you know I'd rather know the truth, just like she would. Uh, she wanted the truth, even if it was a, even if it was painful. I would rather know the truth. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me say this straightforward to you. Don't play with sin. Don't live your life in sin. Don't get tangled in sin. Live a life that's clean and pleasing before the Lord, so that you can have open communication with God. If there's anything that fouls up the ability to hear the voice of God and fouls up nearness to the Lord, it's sin. So live clean before the, before the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me say this also. Anytime you have a walk with the Lord that's pure and holy, and it's, you're, you're dialed in, and everything between you and the Lord is going really good, Satan doesn't like that, and he'll do things that will try to break that intimate line of communication. So be wise of that. Be on the alert. Praise God. Hallelujah. And stay close to the Lord. It's the only safe place. Stay in His Word. Walk closely with Him. Heavenly Father, I pray for Your people that not only will they lean their head upon the chest of Christ our Savior, but they'll do it consistently. And I thank you, Father, this is something that can only be done through consistent walk with you, or else it's odd, it doesn't fit, it's not comfortable. Uh, it, it wouldn't even, it's just, you can't, you can't do that unless it's consistent. So, Father, we thank you. Let there be consistency. Mm. Father, we give you praise. I think about what the prophet said in the Old Testament. He opens my ear morning by morning. In other words, he's implying consistency, an early walk, an early time with the Lord, and he's opening his ears morning by morning. Uh, if you have an appointment with the Lord, show up. Show, he, he, show up. He can't talk to you if you're not there. If you made a commitment to meet with the Lord, show up. Praise God and keep your commitment. And he'll honor that. He will honor that. Father, bless your people. Let it be established as being consistent. And we thank you for the amazing results that are going to come, which will benefit them and others that they can help as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us agree and shout. Amen.
Hallelujah. If you're watching today's program, hearing from God begins with a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, invite Him into your heart right now, and the line of communication will be opened. Just say this, say, and pray this from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners. Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn from my sin. Save me now. Step into my life. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. And let me be the first to say welcome to the family of God, those who have prayed that and have made that dedication of giving your heart to Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's conclude today's time together by enjoying the taking of communion together. Please grab some unleavened bread. If you don't have one of these little wafers, something like a saltine cracker would do just fine. And grab some grape juice, and let's pray. Woo! Let me say this before we pray. Did you know that within the Christian faith, and the various uh, uh, streams of, uh, of the Christian faith, whether you're uh, uh, Eastern Orthodox, or you're, you're Catholic, or you're Evangelical, or Protestant, I'm talking about those who have called upon the name of the Lord, and have given their hearts to Christ. Let me just say that all over the world, God has those John-type individuals who can get the answer. They walk with the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. This is a category. This is a place that God wants you to move into. You, it, it's the safest place on the planet mm, to be near to the Lord. Let's pray. Hallelujah. I say that because I know I'm speaking on a platform from a pulpit where the message goes around the world. So there needs to be somebody that rises up in your area that can hear from the Lord, and may that person be you. That's why you're listening, so that the Holy Spirit can merge you into this place, into this walk. You're going to need His help. He's the one that helps you to be consistent. He will work with your will. He will work with your desire. Father, we pray over the bread and over the juice. We bless it and consecrate it as holy through this prayer, and it is now the body and the blood of Christ our Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, we thank You that we belong to You. We thank You that we choose to walk close with You. From an Old Testament perspective, you could say, Father, we want to dwell in the Holy of Holies. And that we thank You that through the shed blood of Christ, that is now possible to, to be in Your presence and to walk close with You with nothing hindering, no, no, no veil of separation. Thank you, Father God, for this privilege. And we, we avail ourselves to it. We come right on in consistently. Lord, let there be that impartation for consistency. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the Lord's body. Consistency 
produces nearness to God, which results in a much more rewarding exchange in conversation. Woo! You and the Lord are going to have some very, very interesting dialogues. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for secret things. We thank you for that which belongs to you that's veiled, that's secret. Then that's okay. We don't, we don't have any interest in that. But Father, those things that do belong to us, we want to know. So Father, we thank you for unveiling beautiful things. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. If we have committed any sin, we ask that you would forgive us and wash our sins away. And Father, we, as individuals and as a body of believers, we forgive anybody and anyone who has sinned against us. We forgive them completely and absolutely. And we love them and we bless them. Father, there are some, of course, that uh, we may not be able to be friends with. Maybe they're dangerous or maybe they are just you can't, people that we can't work with, or that they don't want us to work with them, but nevertheless, we love them, and we forgive them, and we bless them, and we go on with you. So, Father, we pray also that you would lead us away from temptation, and that you would deliver us from the evil one, and that we ask that you would help us to guard and protect the walk that we have with you. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. There are secret things that we do not have permission to look into. There are other things that maybe you want to talk about them, but the timing it's not right. There's no anointing to talk about it. There have been times I've asked the Lord, Lord, I'd like to talk about this. I've actually had the Lord tell me, I don't want to talk about that. Now, it didn't mean that uh, he would never like to discuss it. It just meant that at that time, that's not, that's not what, uh, uh, that's not what's on the, on, on the menu, I guess, guess we could say. You know, menus change at restaurants. <laughs> you change it out after a while, but there are, are certain times could change in a week, but I've had the Lord tell me, I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. There was something else that needed to be prayed about or discussed. Be sensitive to that also. Never tried to force anything with the Lord. Of course, we can't force God to do anything, but there, there's a flow in the Spirit when you're having your time with the Lord, and you stay on that flow of what the anointing is, uh, and that's all involving the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you. Your prayer time will never be the same. Even if you pray the Lord's Prayer or the, the epistles, uh, in the, the epistles, the prayers that Paul laid out, it comes out different every time as you pray through them because the Holy Spirit will lead you uh, in a different way every time because each day is a new day. Praise God. Father, bless your people. We thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, and we thank you that we are privileged to live in the last days. And so, Father, made that same grace that John experienced. May we also know it. And we just thank you for the blessing of longevity. And we thank you also, Father, for the blessing of being able to lean our head upon the Lord's chest and talk very 
near with him and to him. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, you are blessed. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay near to the Lord.